0: Well, let me encourage you to uh, take up your Bibles, uh, the passage that Alison has just read for us, Philippians chapter 2, verses uh, 19 to 30. This is part of a series, As uh, Sunday evenings, we've been working through the book of Philippians, most of you will know that, but if you're a guest here, uh, that's why we're now, we've landed here, as it were, in verses 19 to 30. Um, over the years, I've, I've become convinced that uh, much in the Christian life is caught as well as taught, caught as well as taught, Uh, since becoming a Christian 27 years ago, I found myself influenced not only by good Bible teaching, which obviously has to be the bedrock of everything, but I've been influenced not only by by good Bible teaching, but also by observing other Christians living out the Christian life. I can think of a number of Christian men that I've looked up to over the years who've helped me to see what it means to to use the phrase from last time, work out my salvation, work out how I can live the Christian life. I've looked up to others and they've shown me how to do that. I'll give you two examples. I worked with a fine Christian man who used to speak often of the importance of putting yourself out for others. It's what we've been seeing in Philippians chapter 2 over these last two or three weeks. I knew then that my colleague was right in what he taught, that we should look out for others, put others first. Uh, But it was as I saw him practising what he preached that I understood better what it meant to put others first. I saw him help a man who was struggling in life by giving him a bed, not just for the night, but for six months, until this man got himself back on track in the Christian life. He put himself out for others. I saw my colleague put himself out for others in in meeting with them as as he read the Bible one-to-one with them. And some of the new Christians he worked with were working very long hours in the city, and so my friend wouldn't uh, plan things around his diary, he'd plan things around their diary. He'd, he'd meet with them very early in the morning, uh, before they went off to work, to have breakfast with them, to read one-to-one with them. And, and the thing I think that hit me most of all was when he met with one man regularly at 11 o'clock at night to fit in with up this other guy's schedule to read the Bible with him. And often he was going to bed late and getting up early to fit in with other people's schedules. Here was a man who spoke of the importance of putting others first, and then as he lived it, I saw what that really meant. I think of another man who uh, led a Bible study group that I was part of uh, very early on in my Christian life. He taught of the importance of evangelism, uh, to take every opportunity to speak to others about Jesus. Now again, I knew his teaching was right. It was obvious from the Bible that that was right. But it was as I spent time with this man and saw him striking up very natural conversations with people, people that he'd never met before, and then talking to them about the Lord Jesus. As I saw him do that, I saw what it meant to take every opportunity to preach the gospel. Now you see the point, much in the Christian life is caught as well as taught. We learn by observing others living faithfully. Cassie, over the years, I really hope that as you go on as a Christian, uh, you will find many people that you can look up to. You probably have found that already, who live out the Christian life. So they teach you the Bible, and uh, you know that what they're saying is right, and then you see them living it, and you think, yeah, that's how it's done. I could do that. Now, over the last few weeks in Philippians chapter 2, we've heard again and again and again that we should be other person focused. Uh, Look at chapter 2, verse 3 as a summary of this whole section. Chapter 2, verse 3. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. Each of you should look not only to your own interest, but also to the interest of others. Now that has been the big focus of the last few weeks of this this section from from chapter 2. Now in this last section in chapter 2, we meet two men who are living out verses 3 and 4. In verses 19 to 30, we meet Timothy and Epaphroditus and they are here as examples for the Philippians and for us, examples to follow. You see, Paul has been talking much about what it means to put others first and now he holds up Timothy and Epaphroditus and he says, you want to see what that looks like? Here's an example. Of course, the supreme example of putting others first is the Lord Jesus. Two weeks ago, we saw that in verses 5 To 11 we saw how he looked out for the interests of others and our attitude, verse 5, should be the same as his. He is our ultimate example but now in Timothy and Epaphroditus we're given two examples of of two, if I can put it this way, very ordinary Christian men who are kind of living this out. They are ordinary Christian men in that they are not Jesus and they're not the apostles you see and that's why many of us will connect with them. Having said they're ordinary, as I've studied them this week, I have marvelled at their quite extraordinary lives. Timothy and Epaphroditus are men who worked out and lived out what it meant to put the interests of others first, put in the needs of others before their own needs. Let's look at the first one, Timothy, verses 19 to 24. And if you're taking notes, here's your first heading. Timothy, serving others for Christ. Look at verse 19. I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you that I also may be cheered when I receive news about you. I have no one else like him who takes a genuine interest in your welfare. Isn't that a remarkable thing to be able to write? I have no one else like Timothy. When it comes to looking out for others, putting others first, I've not met anyone else like him. Isn't that amazing that Paul could write that about another Christian? Timothy was genuinely interested in the Philippians. Uh, you know, whenever Paul had got a message about the Philippians, he'd, he'd, he'd want to know, how are they doing? Is the church growing? Genuinely interested in them? Not just a passing remark, Wanted to know all about them. And as a result, Paul can lay him out as a brilliant example of putting others first before his own interests. Look at verse 21. For everyone looks out for his own interests, not those of Jesus Christ, in comparison to Timothy. Now that reminds us, of course, of the phrase back in verse 4. Each of you should look not only to your interests, but also to the interests of others. Timothy does look out for the interests of others. Or to be more precise, look at verse 21. He looks out for the interests of Jesus Christ. I love how William Taylor, in this excellent little commentary uh, called Partnership, paints a picture of the Apostle Paul wondering who to send to encourage the Philippians. Uh, it goes like this. We can imagine Paul in his prison cell asking himself, who shall I send? I could send John, but his mind is really on his own personal pleasure in this world. he's he set his mind on travelling the world in his retirement. It's the only thing he can think about. He spends his life planning the next cruise, the next holiday. It governs his agenda and his finances. I could send Bridget, but to be perfectly honest, her mind is on her social plans, and to be blunt, her future prospects That's all she can think about. Her social calendar, her holiday plans, trips to the gym and the party circuit dominate. All her so-called selfless service is only ever fitted around the other items of her agenda. It's something she squeezes in at the edges after she's fixed her theatre trips and her party dates. I could send Malcolm, but his mind is really set on pleasing his boss and on his reputation. He's a partner for a well-known law firm and he's immensely conscientious. He's desperate to be the best partner in the firm, but he's so concerned with having the finest performance figures at the end of the year that he'll never really engage selflessly and sacrificially in gospel ministry for the sake of the eternal well-being of his colleagues. Or there's Timothy. Now there's the man to send. He's genuinely concerned and preoccupied with the interests of Jesus. Everybody who knows him recognising that he has a a higher goal than just self-interest or personal preferment. He is genuinely concerned for the eternal well-being of others. So much so, in fact, that he's prepared to risk his rank and reputation, his status and standing for the sake of Jesus' people. His mind affects his diary. His mind affects his checkbook. His mind affects his career plans. His mind affects his social life. It's good, isn't it? Timothy wasn't simply involved in a church. He wasn't somebody who simply turned up on Sunday and went to a home group and even helped out in an area of service. He had a gospel mind. His mind affected the whole of his outlook on life. He put the interests of Jesus first, which meant putting others first. And it strikes me that this is a key to remaining spiritually sharp. We've prayed for the UCCF folks Uh, Folks, this is a great way to remain sharp. Put the interests of others first again and again. See, I met with someone this week who was thinking through the implications of full-time paid Christian work and he was very honest with me. He explained to me that he he always thought he would end up in paid Christian ministry but he said that in the last couple of years he just kind of settled down in life. He told me how he got wrapped up in, in the house and in carving out a comfortable life for himself. And as I reflected on what he said, and as I've been studying Timothy's life this week, I've been thinking to myself, that is exactly my danger. And that that happens to me from time, I have to get a grip of myself. I lose my edge in the Christian life as I become self-absorbed, wrapped up in my own little concerns, working out how to spend more time to tend my vegetable patch, I've just got a new one. To play a bit more tennis or to have a bit more time to lay in the sun. Always thinking about me. That's what dulls my spiritual edge. Looking out for myself. And that, of course, is why Timothy was so outstanding. He looked out for the interests of Jesus Christ. And to nail down what that really means, look at verse 22. But you know that Timothy has proved himself because as a son with his father he has served with me in the work of the gospel timothy has proved himself timothy has proved himself as one who who looks out for jesus interest by serving paul in the work of the gospel you see that is how we show that we are other person-centered that we are jesus-focused Because Jesus' primary interest is the work of the Gospel, to see people saved and then to see them established as Christian people. That is why, as the UCCF folk gave testimony tonight, what were the two things they kept saying that excited them? People becoming Christians and people growing as Christians. That's Jesus' interest. That's why it excites them. Now again, you see these words in verse 22 deliberately reflect the beginning of the chapter just so we see how it all fits together. Remember verse 7. Jesus became a servant. The word is slave. Verse 8. He humbled himself to death on a cross. He died for others. He died for others to come to know God. And we see that in Timothy. Verse 22. Timothy served. It's the same word that we saw in chapter 2 verse 7 where Jesus took the form of a servant. Timothy served with Paul. Timothy served, he became a slave, giving himself in the work of the gospel. Do you see? See the parallel? And what is so challenging is that Paul looked at everyone who worked with him, and there must have been a number, but verse 20, there was none like Timothy. Verse 21, everyone else looked out for their own interests. And so you see, as I've read these words, I've had to look at myself and I've had to ask, am I serving the gospel? Am I serving Jesus? Or am I serving myself? A year or so ago, I met with Pete Jackson, the vicar of St. Andrew's Kendry. And we had a a, a wonderful time. And I, I went over to meet him to try and encourage him. He actually encouraged me. It was a wonderful time, talking about all sorts of things. But one thing that stands out for me was how Pete had structured his prayer life. And my prayer life wasn't in great shape at the time. And as he spoke about it, I thought, I need to get this sorted. And so I asked him to pass on to me some prayers that he used in his daily quiet time. And I've used them ever since. And here's one prayer that I now pray at least several times a week. It goes like this. Lord, change me so that I do ministry for your glory and the benefit of others not to meet my own needs. Lord, change me so that I do ministry for your glory and the benefit of others not to meet my own needs. I need to keep praying that prayer. Because it is very easy to be doing gospel work, not in order to serve Christ or others, but to be serving ourselves, our ego, our needs, our insecurities, our pride, whatever it is. And as Paul looked at everyone else, everyone else was serving their own interest except Timothy. And Timothy had proved himself. He wasn't like that. Timothy then serving others for Christ. The second great example that Paul lays out for us is Epaphroditus. And uh, here's your second heading if you're taking notes. Epaphroditus, I'll leave a moment while you write that down, it's quite difficult. (laughs) Epaphroditus suffering for Christ, verses 25 to 30. See, Epaphroditus had been sent from the church in Philippi to Paul and you see that at the end of verse 25 and at the end of verse 30. The Philippians had sent Epaphroditus to Paul to help Paul in his ministry. We don't know exactly the extent of that help. They would certainly sent Paul some financial support via Epaphroditus. We see that in chapter 4, verse 18, just on the same page but over a little bit. But I guess they sent Epaphroditus to support Paul in other ways too. You'll see that as we read on. And as you read these verses, you'll see that Epaphroditus was a real star to pick up a phrase from last week, shining like a star in a dark universe. And like Timothy, he put others first and at quite some cost to himself. You see, the dominant issue in these verses is that Epaphroditus got ill while he was with Paul. He almost died. Look at verse 27. He got ill and almost died. Now look at verse 30. He almost died for the work of Christ, risking his life to help Paul. Now here again then is a little cameo of someone following Jesus' example, working out their salvation by putting others first. Jesus, our supreme example, gave his life for others. Epaphroditus risked his life for others, verse 30. He actually neglected his health. That's the idea in the Greek here. He neglected his health for the work of Christ. He was so keen to help Paul that rather than rest up, he pressed on, he overdid it, frankly, He overdid it. And here's the thing. Paul doesn't rebuke him for that. Quite the opposite. Look what Paul says in verse 29. Welcome him in the Lord with great honour and honour men like him. Welcome him with great joy and honour men like him. Honour people like him. Now, honour people like the 19th century Christian Robert Murray McShane. Have you heard about him? Died when he was just 29 basically because he'd worked so hard in the service of Christ. At the conclusion of a sermon on Romans chapter 1, verse 16, McShane says this, Our church must not only be evangelical, but evangelistic also if she would expect the blessing of God. She must not only have the light, but dispense the light if she is to be a faithful steward of of God. Now McShane lived that out with all his might, being evangelistic, holding out the word of life so much so that he damaged his health health as a result. And Paul says, honour men like him. But again, as I've been thinking about this, I've got a hunch that today we'd send Epaphroditus and Robert Murray McShane off to the GP who would tell them to get a better work-life balance. You better slow up or you're going to kill yourselves, is what we would say. And again, that's how I think very often. I've looked around at others and I thought, you know, you're overdoing it in this job. You need to slow up, have a bit more time off, get some evenings free. Not just one day off a week. Everyone else has two days off a week. Time to please themselves. I need to slow up, take it easy, be sure that I have a long life. But then I look at Epaphroditus. And I've got to say, so what if I live to be 100 So what if I live to be 100 if I haven't held out the word of life to as many people as I can? Yes, I can have a well-balanced life, but in 2,000 years' time, see here we're reading about Epaphroditus, in 2,000 years' time, or in 200 years' time, as we think about Robert Murray McShane, or even in 20 years' time, what will people say about me? Oh, you should take a look at the historical testimony of Paul Williams. He had such a well-balanced life. I don't think so. We should honour people like Epaphroditus who risked his life for the gospel. Uh, Don Carson, the the Canadian uh, Bible teacher and scholar, uh, tells the story of John G. Patton. Patton was planning to go as a missionary to the South Sea Islands in the 19th century. An ageing Christian said to him, You'll be eaten by cannibals. Patton replied, Mr. Dixon. You are advanced in years now, and your own prospect is soon to be laid in the grave, there to be eaten by worms. I confess to you that I can but live and die serving and honouring the Lord Jesus. It will make little difference to me whether I am eaten by cannibals or worms. And in the great day, my resurrection body will arise as fair as yours in the likeness of our risen Redeemer. That's the attitude of Epaphroditus. He nearly died for the work of Christ. He was ready to risk his life for others. And everything we read about him here tells us what a selfless man he was. You grow to love this man. You will love Epaphroditus by the end of tonight. I I guarantee it. Verse 26, Paul writes for Epaphroditus, He longs for all of you. I love this about Epaphroditus. He was an amazing guy, ready to die for the gospel, yet he was very ordinary. He was homesick. He longs for all of you. He longed to be back home with the Philippians. But he didn't throw in the towel. He didn't say to Paul one day, I just can't stand it any longer, I've got to go home. No. He kept at it. He stayed with Paul putting others first. He willingly served Paul in the gospel and as a result Paul became very fond of him. Look at the fondness in these words. Look how Paul describes him in verse 25. My brother, my fellow worker, my fellow soldier brother in Christ. There's the affection they had for one another. Fellow worker, labourer. He's got that kind of idea. He worked hard. Fellow soldier. He put his life on the line for the gospel. That's how Paul saw him. Epaphroditus was clearly a great help to Paul. Didn't whinge about being homesick, put Paul's needs before his own and even when he was sick he was thinking of others. Look at verse 26. He longs for all of you and is distressed because you heard he was ill. Isn't that amazing? He's not like most guys, are they? Most blokes, you know, get a, get a man, man flu and they're on about it all the time, complaining all the time about how ill they are. Epaphroditus was interested in the Philippians, was worried about them because they'd heard that he was ill. Even though he'd been at death's door, he was more concerned for his Philippian friends, wanting to put their minds at rest about his well-being. All the time Epaphroditus was thinking of others, putting others' needs before his own. Two men then, Timothy and Epaphroditus. As we look at their lives, we see in action what it means to put the interests of others before our own. Timothy serving others for Christ. Epaphroditus suffering for Christ. But there's one other example we mustn't ignore in this section. It's the example of Paul himself. And here's a third heading as we draw to a close. Paul... Sending others for Christ. See, one of the things that is most touching in these verses is the way that everyone is looking out for everyone else. We've seen it in Timothy and Epaphroditus. We see it in the Philippians as well. They sent Epaphroditus to Paul to help him. They were concerned for Epaphroditus when he was ill. But one of the most striking examples of selfless living is in Paul himself. Not that he would be highlighting that in these verses, but it just comes out. And the thing that I want us to focus on is that Paul gave away gospel partners to help build the church. Look back again at verse 19. Paul says, I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon. Remember what he said in verse 20? I have no one else like him. I want to send him to you. I'm sending the best to you. The best I have, I'm sending him to you. What an amazing thing when we remember, where was Paul? In prison. He's got plenty of problems of his own. Paul needs all the encouragement he can get, yet he sends Timothy the best he has to the Philippians to help them. That's the same with Epaphroditus, verse 25. I think it necessary to send back to you, Epaphroditus, my brother, fellow worker, fellow soldier, who's also your messenger. See, Epaphroditus has been such an encouragement to Paul. Look at verse 27. Indeed, he was ill and almost died, but God had mercy on him, and not only on him, but also on me, to spare me, sorrow upon sorrow. Oh, if Epaphroditus had died, it would have broken my heart. Paul is so fond of Epaphroditus, yet Paul is not looking out for his own interest, but for the interest of others, and in this case the Philippians, and so he sends Epaphroditus back to them. Verse 28, therefore I am all the more eager to send him, so that when you see him again, you may be glad and I may be less anxious. Do you see how it's happening? Paul sending gospel partners for the sake of others. It's a striking way to work out what it means to put others' needs before our own, isn't it? And as I've been reading this this week, I've been thinking as a church family, this is something we must aspire to. Sending the best to other churches that they may be built up. One of the most important aspects of our plan to plant churches. We need to be a church which sends good people from this congregation to other churches to help build them up. And as we as individuals become like Timothy and Epaphroditus, we'll be saying, I'll go anywhere. Just where do you want me to go? Because I've got other people's interests first. It's a great combination, isn't it? The, The Timothy Epaphroditus is amongst us, and us saying, we'll send the best. Just think what an impact we can have on this city. But for it to be selfless, it must be sending. You see, sending is not losing. It's not just uh, seeing people drift off to other churches. This is going to be very deliberate. We're sending you. We're commissioning you. This is about giving away. And giving away is very different to go away. If we don't want you anymore. It's not that. So let me give you a little window into what we're going to be doing over these next couple of years. We want to train people up so that we can send the best. That is why I'm so excited about the appointment of Ben Cooper. Arriving here next month to head up our training program. As we get the training right, people will feel equipped to go. To go on church plants. Let me remind you of our church planting strategy. To plant a church every two years for the next 20 years. I've just begun meeting regularly with David Middleton to plan our next church plant. The idea is to send 50 or so people to start a new church somewhere else in Sheffield where there isn't good gospel ministry going on in about a year's time. And as we look at this Bible passage, I want to say, will you consider going on that type of plant? Will you think the way that uh, Timothy and Epaphroditus thought? I'm thinking of others. There's no gospel ministry there. I could make a difference. Now it won't be right for everyone to go but it would be terrific if everyone thought through whether it was right for them or not. It will mean putting the interests of others before your own. I will sell up my house and move somewhere else. Big call. But I care for others enough to do that. And for our part as a church family it means we want to send the best like Timothy. Now when Ed Pennington led our last church plant to Encliffe, every time he told me of someone he was, who, was, who he'd been talking to who was considering going with him, I knew they were the right sort of people to go when my reaction was this. Yes, they'd be great. Followed by, oh, we're really going to miss them. And then I knew they were the right people to go. If I thought, no, I'm not even going to say it. <laughs> we need to send the best and as we think about giving ourselves for the sake of others let me tell you about three other ways we want to send people from here there's the big church plan that we're planning to do in a year's time three other ways and then I'll close and I'm mentioning these because I hope that some of you are going to be saying I'm interested in that first here there is a group here who are committed to planting a church in Burn Greve a really tough area of the city we need people to move there and be part of that community there are some who are already committed to that. We need a few more. We need a leader. But when we've got that, we're going to do that. Are you one of them? Secondly, look out for two preachers who will be here in the next few weeks. One of them is called Andy Brewerton, the Vicar of Kilnhurst, which is near Robham. A number of Kilnhurst folk here tonight. It's lovely to have you here. The other one in July is Pete Jackson, the Vicar of Kendry, an area of Barnsley. As these guys come over to preach on the book of Philippians, talking about partnership, I want you to put your minds to the thought that you might leave Forward to move to Kilnhurst or Kendry and help these fine Christian ministers as they build up smaller congregations. And both of these churches would value having some Christians who are established in Christ to join them in gospel work in those communities. Could you go? Burn Kilnhurst and Kendry, and then there are plans, thirdly, to start Eden projects all over Sheffield. Eden projects are youth projects in deprived areas. At the prayer meeting ten days ago, and it was mentioned just now in our prayers by John, in the prayer meeting ten days ago, we heard from Andy and Sarah Todd. A a year or so ago, they left Fulwood to join an Eden project on Arborthorne, after I'd heard about Eden Projects and was meeting with them about something else and I just put it in their mind that they might be thinking about this they told me they'd already been thinking about it it's amazing they sold their house they bought a house in Arbathorn and they are now influencing young people with the gospel it was terrific to hear from them last week those sorts of projects are going to be happening more and more across Sheffield do you want to be part of that? Our attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus who even though he was equal with God didn't use that status for his own benefit. He humbled himself, became a servant, a slave dying for others, dying the most horrendous death on a cross. Each of us we are told in verse 3 should not look only to our own interests but also to the interests of others. Like Timothy. Like Timothy who had the interests of Jesus Christ in his mind. Like Epaphroditus, who risked his life for Christ's work. And like the Apostle Paul, who gave the best gospel workers he had to help others. Let's pray together. Amen.